Hello, and welcome back to Five Things. I'm your host, Angie B. And as always, I am super thrilled that you are here and that you decided to take a little bit of time from your day to tune in. Today's episode is all about optimism, positivity, and how we can bring more of that into our lives, especially when we're facing challenges. My guest today is Alexia Georgiou. She's the founder and principal consultant at the Resilient Pathway, and she is on a mission to innovate with individuals, community leaders, businesses, corporations, and government entities to create change that impacts our overall well-being as a community. I am so happy that she is the guest today, and I am very excited about the conversation we're about to have. Please make sure you visit the website so that you can read her bio. And of course, I'll make sure to include any links to anything that we discuss. Alexia, thank you again so much for coming on my podcast. This, it means so much to me. Angela, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. I just thought you would be the perfect guest because today's episode is about resiliency. It's about positive um, positive thinking, putting yourself in a good place to tackle challenges. And of course, the world is a bit upside down right now because of COVID. People are going through so many different challenges in their own lives. And I really am so excited to talk to you about these topics today. Wonderful. So, yeah. So let's start off with the elephant in the room. COVID-19 has presented people with so many challenges, whether it's financial or related to their mental health or relationships in their lives. How do people stay optimistic on a daily level when the bills are piling up, there is no work or work is super stressful, interpersonal relationships are stressful? How does someone stay positive in those moments, you know, throughout the day when there are so many challenges right now? Angela, there are a lot of challenges, and I have been so uh, challenged during this time with my optimism and resilience and happiness. Um, And this is an area that I've really explored and I teach on, and to watch that happen in myself has been really interesting because I've had to dig deep. What do I really believe about this and what truly works? And so it's helpful to look at the research on happiness and the findings on multiple studies, including Harvard's 80-year study on happiness, shows that connection is the key. And so when we think about that with the pandemic, this social distancing has just compounded the pandemic of loneliness that we had before the COVID-19 virus. So, so yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead. Because I, again, I, I same here and, and with me and with people that I know, it's this almost constant battle between the challenges that we face and trying to keep an optimistic mind frame on a regular basis. So yes, go on. Well, right. So it's not denying that we feel that way. We need to honor that because we've all of a sudden worldwide gone through change and loss. 
And grief isn't just about death when someone dies. Grief is when we experience change and loss. It's a natural human process for us to experience. And the first one, I don't know if you can relate, I can, and this hits me almost every day, is denial. Is this really what's happening? Is it continuing? It's just gotten worse. Like these thoughts go through my head and it's part of denial uh, that I can't just go out without a mask and sit at a cafe with a friend. Where, when am I gonna be able to? Um, so, and then the other stages of grief, anger, bargaining, what if we had just, what if our leaders had just, that we're seeing playing out, a lot of anger, a lot of bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And I can see all of that every day going through my head. So I love what you're saying here, because a lot of it seems it's like, okay, we don't need to wake up every morning and it's sunshine and rainbows and picnics, but just acknowledging that this is how we're feeling right now and that's okay, right? So it's not this thing where you have to wake up super smiley and force kind of this, this sense of happiness on yourself when, when in reality you're feeling all of these different stages of grief. So it's, so it's in, in essence, it's like accepting those feelings. Yes. And honoring them and giving them a place and not being stuck in them. So that's what emotional regulation means. It means, okay, wow, I'm really experiencing this and it's very real. And okay, you have a place and I'm going to journal about you. I'm going to talk about this to someone about you. And then I'm going to say, okay, let's think on what's going well and give that a place as well. Um, even more of a place in the day. Okay, what's going well? And think on some positive things. I love that because it certainly does take the pressure off, right? I think we can be so much easier on ourselves and take yes. that pressure of having to be po positive in the moment, but rather show yourself a little bit of self-love and say, this is how I'm feeling right now. Feel those feelings, let it pass, and then think of something that is going right, right? So it's not denying our feelings, but accepting them and then finding something positive that we can say while we're feeling what we're feeling. Is that, is that, what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, okay. exactly. And Angela, you nailed it. I think the words or phrase for 2020 needs to be self-compassion. Give ourselves that permission and the self-love uh, to be in that space. I love that. That's so good. That's easy. See, I can do that. I can wake up in the morning and say, okay, I am feeling just some way today and there are challenges, but I'm going to focus on this positive thing. I'm going to get some sunshine. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to collect myself and I'm going to just go about my day. I think that's very realistic and practical. So thank you for, for sharing, for taking off the pressure off a lot of people right now. Yeah, we need that. And so, and I think this is, this is a good segue um, in terms of self-compassion to this next question, because this is something that I've, I saw in a Facebook group. I'm, I'm a part of several Facebook groups. I'm sure a lot of us are. 
And a lot of people are venting on social media right now. And in one of these groups, um, this woman, she posted that the, the news and just the things that are going on and around her and, and in, in the world at large are bringing out the darkness in her. And I think based on um, other responses and, and some other follow-up things that she responded to some other people, it's like she's skeptical She's jaded by everything that's going on. And that really woke something up in me because I was thinking, wow, you know, this, it is one thing to say or, you know, to, to, to struggle with positivity and things like that. But it's another to say, I am feeling this darkness towards things or how I'm looking at the world is just darker than it's ever been how do we work, like, how do we recognize that in ourselves and what do we do about it? And, and so I guess some follow-up questions to that is, do we create boundaries? Is it that we're watching too much television, too much news? We're, we're absorbing too much social media. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, so we're going to address that by looking at what the research shows. Um, and it's really interesting, Michelle Gillen and Sean Aker, they conducted a study, people watching the news, and their findings showed just watching the news three minutes in the morning increases our chances of reporting an unhappy or depressed mood six to eight hours later by 27%. Wow. And they also called this a frontal assault on the cerebral cortex that was wow. published by harvard business review yeah they're not messing around tell me what you no. really think <laughs> right they're wow. serious about happiness and resilience and optimism it's a science and they're studying it with these studies i, I do have the link i would love to link to that um or yes. just provide some more uh, direction to where people can read a little bit more about that because that's 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 fascinating to me that the, I knew there was an impact right what we consume on a daily basis the media that we consume is going to have an impact in our lives but to throw some percentages at it um, in this way and to see just how prevalent it is is very eye-opening well and so they go on to say is that we can do little about what is on the news. And in psychology, when we believe our behavior is irrelevant in the face of challenges, that's called learn helplessness. Mm. And that's a term we've, most of us have heard of. And the result of learn helplessness, it's connected to low performance and higher likelihood of depression. So how many of us right now are experiencing that? because I know that I have experienced it. I can't do anything about this. What can I do about it? And when we're thinking of being motivated for our day, um, it's linked to low performance. When we're thinking about feeling depressed and sad, it's linked to depression. No wonder that you know this particular person who posted this feels that her personality has changed because of everything yeah. that's going on. And there were hundreds of people that commented on this and replied and related to what she was saying. And it's, it's something I think a lot about. And I, and I wonder how do we, 
is it so we create boundaries? What, how do we get around that then? How do we protect our personalities and our hearts from getting hard, from getting jaded? What, what's something that we, you know, obviously, yes, we can watch less news and, and create these types mm-hmm. of boundaries, but what about social media and, mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe people around us that are toxic? Well, how do we, how do we do that to protect our, who we are and to protect our personalities from getting too jaded? Well, we have to acknowledge that we are all human and this is a human experience. Mm -hmm. And so science studies human behavior and they show through the research that all of us are going to respond in certain ways with certain factors, just naturally. And then we can build skills in those areas. Um, So setting boundaries, like you're saying, is spot on. Dr. Caroline Leaf, in her book, Think, Learn, Succeed, she conducts research. She's a cognitive neuroscientist. Her recommendation is limiting social media to two hours a day. And so what we recommend is, okay, if the social media is at five hours, you can't just go to two hours. So create a schedule to lessen it without distress every day, just a little bit, even if it's five minutes a day, that'll make a big difference in 30 days. Sounds like working out. It, it sounds like the same type of behavior that you need to have when you're starting a workout, right? You're not going to go from never, ha- you know, not running all the time to running two miles. Rather, you, you ease into it. In this case, you ease out of it out of social media for a little while and and start gradually cutting back because I feel like doing that will make it will help you keep the behavior versus going cold turkey and then binging on social media the next day because you missed it so much exactly and what's interesting um people are having disrupted sleep and so there's Mm -hmm. exercises that we can do Uh, Dr. Martin Seligman the modern pioneer of positive psychology recommends every night to think on what went well. So we take it a step further and say, you know, some of us are so attached to our gadgets and the findings are TV won't disrupt sleep. The technology will. So our phone and our computer and the social media. So turn all of that off. TV's okay. And Think about what went well. And that is an exercise when we do it for like 30 days, it helps us wake up refreshed, sleep through the night. There are positive results with those research studies as well. Fascinating. That I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I agree. And I'm guilty. I do look at my phone just before I'm going to bed. I tend to watch YouTube, very random YouTube videos. And for some reason that makes me sleepy, but it doesn't necessarily equate to good quality sleep. So I know that that is something, and I know a lot of people are guilty of that too. So um, it's good to have that reminder of checking our, ourselves and our usage of technology, especially before bed, because I'm, I'm pretty sure I can speak for a lot of people when we say we can all use more quality sleep. So yes. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, so there's, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit now and look at the other side of things. So there's, there's obviously focus on the self. And I want to kind of talk a little bit about community right now and the role and, res, and co- the role of community and what resilience 
in community actually means? How do we build a more resilient community? What role does a person play to help do that? And then how does the community contribute to becoming a more resilient individual? So I think, because obviously community is really important to all of us. We're not meant to socially distance, at least I'm not. Um, I think community is so important and I, I would love to talk a little bit more about that now and just kind of get your thoughts on building a more resilient community, what we can do, and how the community impacts our own resiliency. So this reminds me, a professor at Wharton, Dr. Michael Yusim, gave a webinar at the beginning of the pandemic, and he said, we are all leaders now. And what he explained was, All of us have a sphere of influence and all of us can make a difference with our daily choices. And we are connected and we do have an effect on one another. Um, And so one example was given here in Tennessee, um, where I am in Johnson City, there was a pizza place that people were still going in and we hadn't been told to shelter in place yet in Tennessee. And so one pizza owner, he just decided to take the loss. He didn't know if there was going to be help from the government at that point because he wanted to protect his employees and he said, okay, whatever it means financially. And so another pizza owner, restaurant owner, followed suit and said, okay, that's the socially responsible thing to do. So Mm. we do have an influence on one another. Reminds me a lot of um, the work that the chef Jose Andres does in terms of how he's using his, how he's setting an example through his restaurant and now how other restaurants are following his, his lead on this. How does someone that doesn't have a business, they're just, they're just a resident in a community, how do they tap into that circle of influence? How can they demonstrate leadership during this time? Well, okay, so we have to begin with ourselves, and there's two parts, our thoughts and our emotions. And so when I'm in the grocery store, that's my outing. Um, And I'm there, people are dodging one another, we're not looking at each other. I'm in the South where we normally would smile and say hello and have a conversation. We're standing six feet apart at the grocery line and that's community right there. That's our contact with one another right now. And so there are emotions as well. So the mindset part, Ellis, takes us through a three-step process uh, that there's an event that happens. That's the A, adversity. Um, So this is what's happened is we're socially distancing in our community at the grocery store. Then the belief is our interpretation. Well, a lot of us are scared that we're going to get COVID and that's what we're thinking. That's our cognition in the grocery store when we're with other people. And then the next one is our consequence, Hmm. which is how we're feeling and how we're acting and our behaviors have changed towards one another. And so um, 
I, I know with myself, um, I've tried to judge people if they've gotten too close. How does that other person feel? That's not a good feeling when I feel like someone's trying to avoid me socially. Um, like I take it more personally. That's what we're, how we're used to processing things. And it's not personal and it's affected our community connection. So my answer to your question um, with the cognitions is to really work on being self-aware during those moments and how can we foster connection and bring um, a sense of calm and community, even grocery shopping. Grocery shopping is such a great example of this sense of community and how we all are now interacting with each other it, during this time. So it's such a good example. So I, I want to shift gears a little bit now into work because um, you, you work with individuals, you work with communities, but you also work with businesses to help foster more engagement, more collaboration. And we can't talk about challenges in today's world without really looking at the workforce and the impact that COVID's had in that space. I know a lot of people that are enjoying working from home. I work from home. And I think because I've been working from home since, you know, pre-COVID days, if this is, there's been no drastic transition for me or anything like that. And, but I, but actually I, I know people that are working from home for the very first time and they are not enjoying it. They are people that like the structure of the office, like to have workspace and then home space and not have those two things collide. What is your advice for people that are struggling to stay motivated, engaged, and positive with this new arrangement, working from home? Right. So, you know, productivity experts will talk about creating a new structure and having a space with boundaries. And how many times, especially in the beginning, did we see uh, news casters and their children were in the background interrupting and that's just what's going to happen when uh, we haven't created that space in our home because our home traditionally wasn't meant for work um, and so there's a deeper aspect of it as well and what I think of to keep engaged and motivated uh, whether we're on our own or have a family is mix it up and have some fun. That will help our brain go into a more positive state. And when our brain is in a more positive state, our productivity and engagement and accuracy on task shoots way up. And that's in the book, The Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker. And so knowing that we're going to be more productive and engaged and accurate when our brain is at positive, we need to think, how can I get my brain to positive? And so mix it up, have fun. This is really different, but think about our childhood and what we were passionate about, because this is a really great time to think how can I go back to that? Like if it was building Legos, what could I build now with what I have in my space? 
and connect, reconnect with that passion and to balance out the everyday tasks, whether it's work. Um, we used to say, do you work from home? Meaning women raising children. Now we literally mean, are you raising your kids and doing your work and everything? Um, so we need more of a work-life integration in our home. I found myself asking people, do you go to an office now? <laughs> so it's not yeah. so much working from home as much as, is your office open? Are you back in the yeah. office? That's um, a good way to yeah. put it. Yeah. yeah, it's different different times, I'll tell you. But yeah, go on, because I think I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I think that um, that's really important is to find those passions and get that inspiration because I think that does flow into then your overall mood and how you are showing up for your work. Correct. So for example, I am now taking an online art class and that's completely new for me. I'm also writing a lot more. That's also new. And these have been passions that I've had on the inside and I don't know, don't know what happens to us when we're kids and when we're growing up, maybe it's something someone said where we suppress that passion and we don't really follow it because maybe we're not that skilled at it. And Julia Cameron, the author of The Artist's Way, she has a quote and she says, you have to be willing to be bad at something and just do it. And so it's not that I'm so skilled in art uh, however, tapping into that and being creative with my own art helps me. It helps me feel happy. And that's a good thing. That's I, exactly. I agree completely with that. And it reminds me of um, a, a friend of mine. And also she's, she's amazing. And she's an author and speaker. And she, she's phenomenal. Denise Jacobs, she's the author of Banish Your Inner Critic. And she was a guest um, in season two, and she talks about this, you know, similar to what you were just saying that, you know, you're, you're a child and you have this, this um, unfiltered, un, um, untarnished uh, things that bring you joy, idea of the world. And as you get older, um, criticisms or just bad feedback or rejection or something happens you know, life, things happen, challenges happen along the way that diminishes those, those things kind of puts, you know, dims the light on the things that once brought us joy. And suddenly we become very self-critical of our work, of our, of our um, creative process, of our interactions with people. You know, we, we just have this voice in our head that's telling us we can't do you know, we can't do it or we, you know, it's not going to be good enough or we're not good enough. And so, yeah, this book, Banish Your Inner Critic, touches a lot on that and reminds me of, of what, you're, what you're seeing right now, which I think is so important because when we have those, when we have that spark, the, those things that bring us joy, your art classes and, and you know, you're, you're doing more writing and you're having this creative outlet that translates into so many areas of our lives. Yes. So, yes. And, 
Mm-hmm. I, I think this can be redirected for us to a real positive outcome, taking this pathway and this approach. But it's a discipline and it's a new pathway for a lot of us. And so anything new, like you had said earlier, it's like going to the gym. You don't just start off, um, you know, bench pressing a large amount of weight. You have to take your time and build up to it. So many of these topics are just worthy of a deeper, much deeper dive. And I, and I can talk to you forever. Um, but I, I do want to, before we wrap up, I, I do want to kind of, you know, get a bird's eye view and take a couple of steps back from everything, right? Um, you know, eventually this pandemic is going to end. We're all, I'm sure, just waiting for the day that that, that happens because of vaccine or whatever it might be, that, that it comes to an end. And now, you know, and hopefully we can get a break without any other major traumatic world event that we can actually say, okay, let me look at my life. Let me look at the bigger picture. Let me ask the question about where things are going. What are some tips you can share around having an optimistic life? So the first thing that we can do is practice gratitude and journal. Um, And so there are studies, people practicing gratitude daily, three different things um, a day for 23 days, and that rewired the brain. And that, again, is Sean Aker's research. So having a habit of gratitude. Um, Also, sending an email... Mm-hmm. Can, can I just jump in on that really quick? Because I, I know we hear that. We hear that, yes, gratitude. But in your, in, to you, in your opinion, and, and just from your background and your knowledge, and, and obviously this is a space that you are in, is, can gratitude be a very small thing? Like today, because I, when I hear, you know, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm really big on gratitude. And some days I'm just grateful that, I have many, many tubs of hand sanitizer in my house. Like, honestly, some days I'm, I'm grateful for very little things, <laughs> you know, things that are, might not seem like a big deal in the macro. But when you say practice gratitude, is that anything from I'm so grateful for my health to I'm grateful I have ice cream today? Like, how, what is great? How, how can people practice gratitude on the big scale, but also on the little scale? Or, 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 or does that not matter? Or, is it, or does it matter? I love what you're saying. It has to be how you're explaining it, Angela. It has to be, I'm so grateful that I'm alive today and I have breath. And look, the sun is shining. It's the little things have to matter because we don't have the events right now. And we don't know what the events are going to look like once we stabilize. And so we're not looking forward. And so sports may be different for a very long time. So how are we going to show gratitude for that if we're kind of sad about it? Um, it's to say, okay, all right, I'm grateful. And, and if it's just that I got up this morning, I'm grateful. And if that is all I can think of and all I can write, then that's what I'm going to do. And I'm just going to go back to that and focus on it that's a good way to tie it into what we were first talking about with 
accepting the way that you're feeling that day, not being really hard on yourself and then saying, you know, I'm grateful that I'm, I'm grateful my internet's working today. And um, that's a positive, beautiful thing in my life right now. Right. So I, yeah. so, right. So I think like you can tie those two things in, in terms of finding that positivity on your daily and tying that into things that you're grateful for. So I, I didn't mean to interrupt you because you were just about to say writing something about writing emails. So go on. <laughs> oh, right. So yeah, write an email, send a text, go on messenger and every day say thank you to someone. Thank you for being in my life. Um, so maybe it's not something that they said or did that we can think of, but just thank you for your presence and for your acceptance and that you love me. Um, I love and that. Because when we, yeah, when we help others feel happy, then we feel happy. Exactly. And, I, and actually I do this because my friends, they're awesome. They send me funny memes just randomly on WhatsApp yeah. or on Instagram and they just make me laugh so much. And I, I'm always just thankful. I'm thankful to them for sending me something funny and yeah. giving me that, those 30 seconds to just laugh um, at that moment. So I'm, I'm, that's something I'm grateful for. And I um, let my friends know and I thank them right away for making me laugh. So yeah, I think that's wonderful, easy, thing to do that doesn't take a lot of time um, to send that text to people or that email. So I love that suggestion. Right. And also savor the moment when something positive happens. Um, sit in it for a few minutes with the thoughts, like we're simmering and cooking. Then we're going to get more of the flavor in our being of it and more appreciation for it. And it's going to be more ingrained in the brain. Yeah. I, you know, that's such a, thank you for sharing that because it's something I need to work on, celebrate. I need to celebrate more the little wins. I don't do that enough. Well, Angela, we all do. Most of us are naturally pessimistic and we do grow up with negative um, responding and holding on more to the negative. And we have to train ourselves in these skills. Um, and so just acknowledging that where we're at is a great place to start. I've heard psychologists recently say at conferences that I went to in 2019 that if we just listen to one another as human beings, we'd have a great reduction in cases of depression and anxiety. And these are um, neuroscientists also who are showing this in research that we benefit from being heard and knowing that we're cared for, that someone's listening. So connection, um, connecting to people and connecting with God. And I do bring up the faith aspect uh, because positive psychology has conducted research with people who live close to their faith. And the findings are that they have higher levels of optimism. I love this conversation. I, I think this is so great. Um, I, again, I, I appreciate you so much. You, you just brought so much to the table. And actually, I would love to link to all of these various things that you've, that you've brought up um, during this call. I've learned so much um, of these, 
of studies that I didn't even know existed. So I really am so appreciative that you brought those, um, put those on my radar, I should say. And so I, I do kind of want to um, ask you just before we wrap up, wrap up here is what, what, what are you working on? Is there anything that you want to share, any project, any, anything interesting, anything else that you might want to add that we didn't cover? So a final takeaway is do what we can daily with what is in our control and identify what is not in our control and let it go. So true. So hard though. I struggle with yes, that too, yes. but it's so true though. You, you are so spot on about that. Yes, you're right. You're right. Right. Absolutely. And it's another skill to develop and that could be a quick list as we're feeling stressed um, to really sit down and say, okay, I'm going to write down what can I control about this situation and what can I not control and to actually do something about what's on that list. We're going to feel more empowered and hopeful. Hope you said it. It's a huge word and we need that uh, because um, in suicide assessment, that is a very important part of the assessment is measuring the level of hope. And when people have low levels of hope, they're higher at risk of going through with their plan. Mm. Hope is so important. Hope mm -hmm. we cannot under, we cannot downplay the importance of hope in everything, I think. So, and I think that's a beautiful way to wrap up this conversation. Alexia, thank you again so much. Um, so I do want to share. So you are, and I will link to, you know, your, your bio and all of the links that we, we talked about today, as well as your social media handles will be on the website, but you did share that it was the resilient pathway and agile, um, agile empath. Are yes. those Instagram or those Twitter or those, what are, what are those um, platforms for? Right. So the resilient pathway.com is my website and Great. that has events. I do have some, um, Zoom events that are group related that are Ooh, free nice. of charge. Okay. Uh, oh, I love that. So, and I also have the podcast, The Agile Empath, where we're teaching soft skills to leaders and agility, emotional intelligence, having empathy with our teams and what that looks like, even virtually. Um, and so we do have um, Facebook. LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. You'll Wonderful. find all of those handles. Yeah. Awesome. And I, like I said, I will have all of those on the website. Thank you again so much. Listeners, thank you for tuning in this week. I hope you feel a little bit more empowered, a little bit um, just more inspired to uh, think about today a little bit more positively think about your future a little bit more positively. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And I invite you to please tune in again next week for another new and fabulous guest. Thank you so much. And until then, take care. Bye.